I have a question for you entrepreneurs. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where, you know, the sky was falling and everything that the universe had to throw at you, they were throwing at you, you know, and you just felt so alone in this world. Well, if that resonates with you, you're going to want to go back and check out my last episode with Deborah Vogue, who is a crisis navigation partner. And we spoke about so many amazing keys to kind of navigating the crisis, asking for help, all of the things that, you know, I know a lot of women and entrepreneurs, myself included, may have some challenges with. So go back and check that out when you have a moment. But for right now, I am jumping in, you know, to have a conversation that needs to be had with the incredible Sidrola Maruska. Let's go. Ever found yourself teetering on the edge of throwing in the towel? You know, asking yourself questions like, is this supposed to be this hard? Or is it even possible to succeed at this entrepreneur thing? I completely get it because I built my successful businesses while juggling major health issues for my children and myself, debt piling up to my eyeballs and so much more. Want to know how the hell I succeeded and how you can too? Tune in to find out. Here we go. So excited to have Sidrola Maruska back again. If you didn't catch her last episode, go listen to it right now because she dropped some amazing, amazing knowledge bombs in there. So I want to tell you a little bit more about her because I didn't have the chance on our, on our launch episode. So she is an author, speaker, and personal development coach on a mission to help women rediscover their deepest desires and confidently set relevant and intentional goals to change the trajectory of their lives. What an amazing statement that is. Um, Her work ethic and ability to quickly, to um, has quickly allowed her to cultivate a 20 plus year background, which started with answering phones and took her all the way to the C-suite of a multi-million dollar company as the executive assistant to general counsel. Um, On January 2nd, 2018, she began active treatment to battle breast cancer, and that's when her mission to help women rediscover their lost selves and become what they were always meant to be was solidified. Sidrola is a first-generation Haitian-American who prides herself on having an amazing extended family and being, which, oh my goodness, I love this phrase, a citizen of the world born in Queens, New York. Thank you. Thank you again for being on the show today. I'm so excited to, to further our conversations. Oh, thank you, Michelle. I'm so excited to be here with you again. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure to speak to you. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I got to say, like I, like I just said a minute ago, I love the citizen of the world line that you have in your bio, just because it is something that, you know, it's just the statement that everybody needs to kind of wrap their head around because that's, that's yeah. the truth, isn't it? Right? Yeah, awesome. I think I think where I I wrote it is because we moved around a lot when I was younger. I was born in New York. We ended up back in New York and now Massachusetts, but I moved around a lot and and in, instead of saying, well, I went here, I went here, I went here, I was like, you know, I've also traveled different places. So I am a citizen of the world, you know, we all yeah. are, we are, we're in this big, huge family. It's just Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I think it would be way more helpful if more people had that mentality about it as well. I think we could avoid uh, a lot of stuff, right? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you've told, you just told us a little bit of a snapshot of your background. Can you give us a little bit more insight into kind of how you became the, the version of your amazing self that you are today. Oh my gosh, thank you. That's so sweet. I, uh, I am, as you said, I am a cancer survivor, but uh, when that happened, I, I thought that's not my story. That's just a part of my story. I am a first generation Haitian American, which means I have a dual, dual culture. I'm a, I've grown up in a dual culture. So my parents were, immigrants to this country. So I was born in this country. And I grew up with a very beautiful cultural connection, music, food, people, love, all that stuff. And then I was an American. I grew up with the education system and the just everything that goes with being American. And that gives me 
what I think is a rounded, a, 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 two per, a double perspective on things. There are certain ways that people react and I can instantly say, oh, that's because of this. And it's, and it's really got a lot to do with being that dual, dual cultural, two, bicultural. Um, I also speak three languages. So speaking three languages, I think I've read many times before that even speaking two languages alters your brain the way that your brain works. And so I often think to myself, my brain must work a little bit. <laughs> it's, on a, it's a little bit on overdrive, but that's it's a, a good bit. thing in this, in this case. That's a good <laughs> thing. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, and you know, I'm a mom got two beautiful kids. My son is 13, about to be 14. My daughter is nine, going on 35. She's amazing. She's smart <laughs> as a whip. And she's just, awesome. you know, she keeps us all in line, you know, and in a good way. <laughs> yeah, in a good way, not in like, a, you yeah. want to like, oh, yeah, right. yeah awesome. in a good way. So it's a really great experience to, to have both boy and a girl and to experience the, the dichotomy of difference between the two individuals the two humans that are growing in my house and so yeah. I love that uh, my parents are still with us which I am so grateful for which and they live close by so I get to see them a lot okay. so I think what makes me the person that I am today I, I think I have to push it back down to my family my cousins my aunts my uncles my parents and that strong support system that I've always had there knowing that no matter what happens out here or over here I've got that place to go and plug in and recharge so that I can then move back into the world and say hey throw whatever you got I've got this over here and so nice. it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna take care of me so I'm good um, yeah. besides that it's just I think it's a lot of introspection it's a lot of understanding that much of what I see out here stems from what I put out into the world and who I am in the world. And that was modeled quite a bit to me by my dad, my dad and my mom, but they are amazingly generous people who have always tried to do the right thing by other people. And I see how that comes back, not just to them, but to their kids and to their grandkids and how it, you know, it, it, it flows outward. So I think to myself, well, if I'm this person, I'm not an island unto myself, I need to have it flow outward as well. So that when my kids, people see my kids, oh, you're Sadie's kid, you know, and they remember and they understand, yeah. they go, oh, I, I want to help you. And I want to, to uh, um, take care of you if so to speak because of the way that I've experienced your mother and what she's done for me or for someone that I knew or something of that nature so I just I flow with that I flow with just knowing that I'm a drop in the bucket and I have to flow outward beautiful that's right? beautiful and I mean it speaks to kind of the, the legacy that you want to leave behind and it sounds like your parents kind of had that same mentality of you know there yeah. it goes that way they can maintain you know living beyond their years and you maintain living and that's I think a source a kind of generational wealth in itself right yeah. with mm -hmm. that which is a, a very very beautiful thing to to have yeah. and to witness um, so bravo for raising your children like that um, that, <laughs> is, that is beautiful um, yeah. I can't wait to see them as adults. That's going to be, you know, just an amazing thing. Me to watch, too. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get through it. We'll yeah. get through it. Um, yeah. So, I mean, well, if you're ready, let's let's dive into today's topic. Let's dive in. All right. So, um, first question. So, folks, we are talking racial sensitivity and, you know, how that pertains to business, you know, whether you're owners or consumers. So, you know, how, why and, and how do you think we could be more racially and culturally sensitive in business? And like I said, like as owners, consumers, kind of all of the things, because I think we need to, we need to have a conversation. All of the things. Yes. yes. <laughs> There's so many. We don't have, maybe you're not long enough on this podcast yes. for them all, but 
a lot of the things. Yeah. A lot of the things. I agree. I agree. Well, I'll start by saying the reason I chose racial sensitivity as one of the avenues that I do personal development in is because I believe that it is actually a personal development issue. I believe that in order to be able to be a true ally or to be a true co-conspirator, as, as I read someone write, or to, to be a person who is dismantling this racist system, you have to first know yourself and go within yourself and try to understand how you were socialized and deconstruct that and, and rebuild it so that now you can go out and you can do what needs to be done out in the world and in your business or at home, in your community, and all, and all of the things, right? But first it starts within. It starts with a pers personal development. Racial sensitivity and being able to be an ally is understanding that systems have been put in place to make to create a hierarchy essentially which puts white as right and black at the bottom and then there's this whole range in between the closer you are to white the more you experience that privilege the closer you are to black the less you experience the privilege and the more you experience the the full force of the system that's in place. Why is that important for business? Let's start with our businesses. If you're trying to reach people, but you don't know how to speak to them or speak to their needs or even understand where they're coming from, you can't, you cannot uh, effectively make a change in their lives. And if, if that's what you're trying to do. Yep. Right. If you are hiring and you want to check a box, so you're hiring different people, different races. Okay. We've checked that box. We have these people in, you're going to have a lot of turnover. Those people aren't going to stay because what you're not doing is taking them as a whole person. You're taking them as a, as a cog, as a need in the business. It was interesting. I was doing Uber as an Uber driver for a while. And I had an attorney get in my car. He's a really nice man. And I picked him up and I noticed that the ride was going to be about 35 minutes or so. And so it was about 1030 at night. And I said, oh, man, please don't tell me that you've been working until 1030. It was a Friday night. And he said, no, no. He said, I'm an attorney. He says, but we were taking our attorneys out for a dinner. We were celebrating something. And I said, oh, that's great. And then we got to talking and I'm not sure how we got on the, on the topic of race, but we did. And he says, yeah, he says, you know, working really hard to try to make sure that we diversify our people and that we have, that we have a good diversification of people. And he says, but it's really hard because when we go to the top schools and there are top black lawyers or lawyers of color, all the schools are, are all the uh, practices, all the law firms are going for those same people. And so the pool seems really small. I said, well, you know that attorneys, black people and people of color who are attorneys have attorney friends who are also people of color. He says, yes. He says, um, I don't know why I'm not, you know, I don't know why they don't ever bring their friends or things like that. I said, well, do you think that in your office uh, they're happy, that they're okay, that they're okay being there? And he said something very interesting to me. And I, and, and, and I think that this is where a lot of people trip up. He says, well, I, yeah, he says, yes, I think so. He says, I think that if someone comes to work and they do their job and they do their job well, that's all I'm worried about. I said, that's really interesting. I said, because what you're saying to me is that you want them to conform 
to a certain way of being. And so you're not really interested in the full person. You're just really interested in having them come in and do the job and be that color that you need, but not necessarily be the full person that they are. And he was quiet. And so I look in my rearview mirror and he's like, and he's looking down and he says, and then he, and he realized what he was doing. He's like, oh, he says, oh, I'm sorry. He says, I'm not, I'm not ignoring you. He says, I'm taking notes. <laughs> That's amazing. It was good for him because I think, you know, the fact that number yeah. one, he was even having the conversation with you speaks Absolutely. a lot about yeah. this gentleman and the fact taking notes even better. He's taking notes. I thought to myself, well, okay, if nothing else, I've done this for today. I'm good. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, and so that is something that most companies don't think about. They think that if we get the numbers in, then it'll be fine because everyone's the same. Everyone is not the same. People yeah. come from their, their families, their neighborhoods, their upbringing, their, their cultural backgrounds. They come with so much color. And then people say, well, I don't see color. I just want you to do the right job. And we just you want you to conform job, in. Good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so no. that, that conformity makes it uncomfortable. You know, yeah. imagine you couldn't come to work and you, and you, you come to work, but you can't really talk about truly how you're feeling that day because, you know, some jerk, you know, flipped you off because you were walking the wrong way and they, you know, threw out a word at you. Right. And you're yeah. going, you know, I'm just living here. Like I'm just trying to live and you just want to just get on me. Um, yeah. But you can't say that you get to work and you try to say that to someone like, Oh, well, I'm, sh I'm sure that maybe they had a bad day or maybe they, now it's not, your feelings. Now we're talking Man. about what was their problem that they would do that because of course they were a good person and they would right. never do that. So, um, so then now you're like negated. So you go to the workplace and you're, you're that person, but you're not a full person at work. And that's what I find a lot in businesses. The, the full person is not there because it's not in the culture of the company. Nope. It's not in the uh, handbooks to, you don't have anything that says you are accepted fully and your <laughs> ideas are important. There's nothing that says that everything says and everything shows that if you conform to the way that we want you to be, then we'll be happy. And that'll be good. And you're like, but what about me being happy? Will that be good too? You know? Like, is that like is a, a uh, is that Am I allowed to do that? that I mean, right? I think, and I think like to your point earlier, you know, when there is an overall system that is set up in a certain manner, you know, because I'm yes. thinking in my head of the times, and obviously I'm not in your shoes, that, you know, I know exactly what you're talking about in general, just with people right? Yes. Like you go into a company, you're a number. And the amount of times I've had conversations with managers about like, how come my people aren't performing? And I've been like, well, have you asked anything about them? Or are you just assuming they would take the, you know, right. just take the task and run with it? Like they, right. they're, you were talking about people. But I mean, to your earlier point, when there's a system that's set up already against somebody, yeah. and then you expect them to conform on top of that, right? That is, next level right compared That's to next speaking. level yeah you know and I love the I love the way you explained it because I think you know hopefully people will resonate with it is that spectrum right that, yes. that high and the low and the closer you get to the top versus the bottom is kind of you yeah. know which which level of conformity per se you have to you have to suck up and deal with right, right? Um, you know people people um in business, you know, all the time, it's, it's, it's human nature to, to, what is it? Birds of a feather flock together. It's yeah, human of nature. Course. Of course. Yeah. Right. It's human nature for sure. Uh, that has to be addressed because it's all, that's also part of the bias. 
right? If you've got people who are hiring who are white or white women and they're hiring, but they've got this pressure to hire a certain cultural conforming person, then that's going to remove a whole pool of people. Then I hear the argument that, well, enough people aren't applying. Well, where are you looking are you looking <laughs> yeah. you know where yeah. are you looking i i know a number of professional people where are you looking and if you're looking within if you're looking inside are those people who are there comfortable enough to say hey come work at my job they're great right. or are they going Ugh, your job sucks my job sucks yeah you know? exactly it's like you don't want to be here i don't want to be here yeah, yeah exactly suckage, like equal so. opportunity work experience yeah right exactly. so it's like i'm not gonna pull them from their sucky job to come to my sucky job if my job were better if my environment were better i might say to them oh my gosh don't worry about that come over here over here my ideas are are taken into consideration over here we're doing amazing things we've got yes. you know whenever we we meet everyone's opinion is taken into consideration everyone's creativity is encouraged and if you you know life is considered you have to consider that too go figure go figure right, right? life is yeah. considered uh, we know as women that that we're already kind of people are already biased with us, especially if we're of childbearing age. Exactly. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> right. So now you put that your childbearing age, you're black and you live in X, Y, Z neighborhood, which is considered, you know, which, yeah. which is, which the, which the code word of bad neighborhood. Exactly. Upon. There. And then your name is, black sounding your resume first of all if it gets pulled up once you walk in they're going to be like they're going to have all types of bias preconceived preconceived notions prejudices that will allow them to discriminate against you whereas you may not even be coming with like not even a not even one third of what it is that they think you're coming with but they're going to say oh well they just didn't fit the culture or I just wasn't sure right. if I could, you know, if I could really connect with them. I mean, so and to that, about, I say, did you try? I mean, like, right. that's, I, I hate, and yes. I don't use the word hate very lightly because it's a word that even in my household, I tell my children, like, it right. comes with a lot of power, don't use it very often. But, you know, I just, um, if somebody says to me, I, just, I don't think I can connect, like, without even trying, like, if you've tried and the person's an absolute jerk and, like, you can't get it back, yes. but... I think to your earlier points too about like examining the inside, right? Like why can't you connect them? Like, Mm -hmm. is it, is it them or is it you? And you know, like before that, that personal development, it strikes Mm -hmm. right at the core of those limiting beliefs, but even deep and generationally rooted and all of that stuff. So when somebody says to me, well, I just couldn't connect with them. Well, somebody needs to be asking that person why. And then yes. they need to do some serious soul searching, potentially, maybe they, it is just they don't, personalities don't gel. But, you know, in a lot of the cases, maybe it's not. Right. And that was something that I talked about in the, in the workshop was before you ask a question or before you even make a, a, a statement or you say something, you've got to look at the, what is the motivation behind it? Right. And would you say it to a white person? So say you're a white person. Would you say it to a white person? If you wouldn't say it to a white person, consider for just a moment why you would say it to any other person. Because then that's when you're going to start to realize what your biases are and why they're there. And if you start to really take the time to examine, you're going to, to find that, oh my gosh, I, 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 Oh, I didn't, that's not what I really wanted to be thinking or feeling. Well, now, now that you've gotten to the root of it, yeah. you can ding, ding, ding. root it. Fix it. Yes. It's like you have you to can... break it down to build it up, right? Um, Absolutely. You've, you know, but you've got to go within and say, before I say this thing, why am I saying this thing? Yeah. You know? Think before you speak. It's like, you know, raising yes. children 101, right? 
um, <laughs> to a lot of a lot of people. That's what, like if I had yes. like a dollar if every time my mom would say that, she I would be like a bajillionaire. And the thing is, you know, I thought if we're honest about it, you know, as a white person, you're gonna say the wrong thing. Well, and that's what I even said to you before we get on this. I was like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm going to try not to talk. And that's my fear. My fear is, but again, like, but I know my intention. But you've got to find it isn't to hurt, but you need to look. Yeah. Yes. And also, you know, if you, you say something that's wrong and you, your intention was not to be that way, but someone says to you, okay, that wasn't okay. And let me tell you why, instead of becoming defensive and saying, well, that's yeah. not what I meant. No, 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 no. But you said it and you were, we understand that you're, you're, that may not have been your intention, but you've grown up in a racist system. You've grown yeah, you up in a system that it. favors you based on the color of your skin. You have to then take that information and go, okay, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. And not wait for an apology, but just know that this is a learning moment. This is a teaching moment. I sit with my te- kids all the time. Sometimes we're watching something and all of a sudden something happens and I'm going, oh, pa- pause, 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 yeah. teaching moment. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, come on, man. Why do I have to have a mom that's like, just watch? No, no, no. <laughs> no, you will not to, just watch. <laughs> no, I need to explain to you why that just happened and why it was not good or why that yeah. was amazing. You know? Because you need to be able to see it. You know, I mean, on a a completely little tangent, which some people will cringe at, you know, my, (laughs) my son and, you know, I'm very women empowerment, you know, and now I'm learning more about the racial aspect of it and all, all of the things, anything I can consume, tell me I'm wrong. If I say the wrong thing, like I want to learn. Um, and also I'm a big believer of like, when you, when you get defensive like that, that's guilt about you and you should be expressing compassion about the person in front of you. Mm -hmm. But you know, my, my son was building Legos one night and he had Lego people and he put them all in cars and he's like, Oh mama, come see what I, what I built. And he's like, and mama, I made sure to include two female Lego people. And I was like, so cute. I'm like, either I'm disturbed and I'm sure like my, my mom's listening. She's like, stop telling him things, <laughs> you know, but I mean, the fact that, that's you know, good. I think, I think that's a good thing that some other people would be like, Absolutely. Oh, you're, you know, you're planting crazy things in his head, but those are the no, types of things true. that they need, they need to know. And they need to know like yes. white, white, white privilege is a term in our household, which I yes. know I've had people say, I can't believe you said that to your child. And I'd be like, but I'm not lying. No. Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy to hear you say that because that is definitely something that needs to happen. And the reason it needs to happen is when you're having race discussions in your home and black is not a bad word and white privilege is not a bad word and um, being Muslim, being Hindu, whatever is not a bad word. And you can actually talk honestly with your kids about it. They're going to grow with that. And when they grow with that and they see the injustice, they're more likely to be able to speak to it versus Mm -hmm. a kid whose parents were always like, oh, that's not nice. And don't talk about about it. That's very Irish Catholic. That's very Irish Catholic. (laughs) FYI. Don't talk about it. (laughs) Yes. Right. But then when you grow up, it's going to be like, oh my God, that's terrible. But don't talk about it. And then you, but it makes you also feel that like internal guilt eating you up from your soul, right? Yes. Like, of like, yes. I feel guilty, but say something, do something, you know, isn't a thing in my, in my belief system. So I don't know yes. how to do that. But I think yeah. on the flip side of that too, what I've had conversations with people in my circle about is that just because we mentioned the word white privilege does not make someone less than it explains the makeup of the system. And I know you and I were, you and I were talking about kind of that abundance mentality and stuff like that. By no means by me saying that to my child, am I saying you are a less than human being? Like, absolutely not. And just saying like, you need to be aware that, you know, me, even as a white woman, like I'm a peg below, you know, a white man (laughs) below in some levels, but you know, it speaks more to the system and less to, you know, I, I can hear some of the people's arguments in my head right now about, well, you know, by telling him he's privileged or telling him, you know, he has to be less than or he has to this or he has to that. And I'm like, I'm not necessarily saying that. I'm like saying that, no, oh, the world you live in. 
<laughs> exactly. But, you know, for him to understand what his privilege is, he's going to grow with that because he's not going to be a kid forever. This is what people right. don't realize. Your kid yeah. is not going to be a kid forever. So you no. think that one day when they turn 18, all of a sudden they're going to be adults and they're going to have a whole new way of talking yeah. and, and, and relating to the world because now they're adults. No, they need to have it when they're younger because that's where they build the resilience and the courage yeah. and the confidence to be able to go out and speak on it. Now that kid is going to grow up and go to college and when they get into an office, they're going to recognize the privilege yeah. that is prevalent wherever they go and they're going to say, this is, doesn't work. Let, how can we fix this? And the yeah. more kids that grow into those adults, the better it is for everyone. Because honestly, racism, the, the system of racism that is in our country costs everyone millions of dollars. Okay? Right. Everyone. Right. Contrary because to what people believe, right? Like absolutely. They think, it's, they, they think it's not affecting me. It's, it's not going to affect problem. me. Yeah. Exactly. So I don't really need to be bothered. Um, I'm a good person. And what is the, they don't understand also is that racism is not an action. Racism is just the system you live in. Mm -hmm. uh, Robin D'Angelo, in her book, White Fragility, she says, you know, all white people are racist. And if you understand that racism is a system and if you are not actively dismantling that system, if you're not actively working to be an anti-racist, then you are benefiting from that system and you are a racist. So that's how that works. It's not that you're out there spitting on people, you know, calling them names, not giving them service. Um, it's worse. The other one's worse. Like the I would other say, the outward worse. actions, like because racism. Yes, you can see that, but mm -mm. yeah, racism is power. Racism yeah. is power and it comes with power, which, which is why reverse racism is not even a thing. Yeah. It's, not even a thing. We, you know, it's what I talk about in the workshop is, you know, we talk about racism, we talk about prejudice, and we talk about discrimination. Those three words are not interchangeable. Those three words do not mean the same thing by any means. And so you have to understand what those are in order to use the words properly. And that's why it bothers me so much when people are like, oh, you're a racist, you know, and they're throwing that at somebody who's brown or black. And I'm like, <laughs> Let's Racism figure this out. Structure. This is not like, let's get, let's get the words correct here, guys. Which is really interesting because I've never heard, and that's white fragility is actually on my list of things to read um, yeah. in the upcoming months because I've just, I've just heard so many amazing things and I think it's a yeah. resource for me. Um, but I think, you know, the way that you're describing those words, they are used interchangeably. Yeah. Um, and they're not, you know, they're especially, not the same no, and to kind of come full circle with this and especially in a business setting right? Because then you have words like liability and you have words like, you know, all of that types of things that come in, yeah. which words are used in where in regards to mm -hmm. that from a business standpoint. Yeah. And I think you are probably seeing a lot of business owners or, you know, white business owners to be completely blunt, um, yeah. who are scared to cross a line, who are scared to say the wrong thing, who are scared yeah. to, you know, be sued, who are scared, you know, it's a powder keg yeah. right now, as it should be on some levels. I'm not saying it's wrong. Um, but I think, yes. you know, what would you say to them, I guess? Um, they've got to, what I say to a lot of people is you've got to come from the heart and not the head. You've yes. got to get out of your head and stop worrying about being wrong. Stop worrying about feeling guilty. Stop worrying about shame. Stop worrying about liability necessarily and come from the heart. Um, yeah. The idea is that um, black people don't understand <laughs> there is a very pervasive uh, 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 line of thinking I believe that black people are not nuanced we don't understand nuance and we don't understand really? things right <laughs> you're laughing but it's true that's ridiculous yeah I, I just, know but it's blown, true but and I think silly. You know, it, it just comes down from the generations where it's like, oh, well, they're, they're not smart enough, you know, to, to, well, to like, yeah, women too, they, but just higher on that spectrum. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you have to understand that when you come from the head, we know, 
we, we see it coming a mile away and we're like, oh, I want no part of it. And so when we react in a way that makes you then feel bad and then your, your fragility shoots up, that's simply your defense to keep the system as it is that shoots up. Interesting. Interesting. Well, if they're not going to listen or they're not going to take, you know, then we, just gas, gas we can't a little bit more do Right, right, right. We can't do anything with that. But you know what? You didn't come from the heart. You came from the head and you came yeah. in, a, in the wrong way. So, so yeah, you know, as, and I think we were talking about mindset a little bit earlier. We were talking about how the idea, the very idea that if we dismantle this system, people are going to lose out white people are going to lose out and black people and brown people are going to get everything. Well, you know what's happening already in this country? By 2050, uh, whites are going to be the minority in this country. Okay. Uh, So it's almost as if you're shooting yourself in the foot and going, not dismantling oh, it. I, I, I just need to put a Band-Aid on it. I just need to put a Band-Aid on it. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay, right? You need to dismantle the system. So you need to fix this, this mindset of there's not enough. So yeah. we have to hoard everything for ourselves. We have to, and we can't let them have anything because, and there's, there's very real fear that, you know, they're going to rise up and do to us what we did to them. Do you not think that this could have already happened? Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. You think we've just been like hanging out oppressed without being angry, you know what I mean? Like, but I I think also like that's not going to serve anybody. It doesn't serve anyone. It doesn't serve anyone. And neither does keeping a racist system in place. It serves a very small few people and those people, um, and, and, and they don't understand how keeping the system in place is detrimental to our economy right Mm -hmm. so right now i i I watched a bloomberg interview this lady she's a financial person and she said well right now racism in that their companies aren't hiring all people who are fully qualified because of their bias or their prejudice or the discrimination right right now it is costing the american people, the economy, $3.7 trillion right now. Right now, but to be in 20, right. whatever, like you just yes, said. it will be even worse. So if we can, and there are also studies that I've read that say companies that actually embrace and, and, and uh, allow people to come in 100% who actually have a culture of inclusion hmm. are breaking the records for creativity and innovation. Yeah. I mean, and, and that makes sense. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. You're right. Because these people can come with their full selves and they can actually help with seeing things from different perspectives. You need different perspectives, Right. You Mm -hmm. need different perspectives to go in and say, well, you know what, this is something that I've seen in this area or this thing. Maybe this would be better if we did it this way. Then you wouldn't be sticking your foot down your throat when you're putting out a marketing campaign and you're putting a kid with a monkey on the shirt and everybody's like, what the heck? Where where are the black people? Yeah, there are black people in that marketing group. So there's no one in that group that's going to be sensitive to that segment of the market. So you yeah, I mean, to, yeah. No, keep going. Sorry, uh, I'm just agreeing. Yeah, no, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you need to have people of varying cultures. You need to have people in there that are going to say, "Yeah, I don't. That doesn't look good to me. It bothers me because of this." And then have someone else who's listening and say, "Okay, I would have never seen it that way. I would right. never thought of it that way. Thanks for pointing that out. How can we fix it?" And then the next right. person says, "Well, I think that." We could use it this way, but maybe we could tweak it this way. This is how innovation happens. This is collaboration and stuff like that of, you know, and I think, you know, when people go back and this is going to be, maybe it's because I've been watching Hamilton way too much, but when you go back, (laughs) 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 go 
back to our forefathers and their mixing of ideas and their ability to sit around a table. Granted, they were all, you know, white men. They were all white <laughs> but men. at the same time, like, you know. slaves, by the way. And who, exactly. Exactly. You know, but, um, but it's that collection of ideas in which our country, maybe some of them not good, but you understand what I'm saying like that. That you, you know, have to have some collaboration. You have to and have everybody, and everyone needs a seat at the table for that. Yes. Here, yes. <laughs> and here's the thing. There needs to be an evolution. Because like I said, by 2050, you know, the, the percentage of races is going to shift considerably in this country. Mm-hmm. So there has to be, there has to be uh, consideration for that. And what we have to be careful of, too, is saying, we're not asking to sit at your table. We're asking to sit at the table. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? It's not your table. You don't own it. You don't own it. Um, yeah. No. It's, you, you, you're simply super protective of it because you're afraid that if someone comes in with a different idea, that's going to be a problem. So you right. need to shift that mindset. And, and realize that it's not your table. It's a table that we have the right to sit at. And we are looking for that right. right. It's um, interesting, as she says also, you know, when we think about the first black person who did anything, it's like, that doesn't mean that that person was above and beyond head and shoulders over every other black person and they were able to overcome so many things. No, what it means is that white people finally decided to let that some black person do something that they had been keeping them from doing for years. Right, right. It was an allowance. It wasn't, it wasn't like they worked so hard and they were recognized. It was a, by all means, go ahead. Yeah, right. It's like, well, let's just give them that. And that's got to change it's got to change where it's like no you're not giving us anything we work just as hard and so we deserve just as anyone else to be put into the positions that are at the level that we deserve with the incomes that we deserve because when you start paying people equitably and you start putting them into positions that they have worked hard to get to the economy flourishes because now they've got more money to spend in different places. When you take down those barriers from the good neighborhood versus the bad neighborhood and everyone can live in a neighborhood that is, that is safe and that works for them economically. You then again, you create more wealth for the country. You create more wealth for for the schools. The schools become better the pool of people to draw from becomes better. Right. Neighborhoods are more uh, inclusive. They're better for it. So yeah. it's, it's, it's a whole domino effect, but it's like. Right. But it's change, right? And we know how people's brains go with change. And <laughs> you know, um, yes. all of us included. But I think, you know, yes. just, just um yeah, and I mean, I feel like we should we should do an entire episode on redlining, um, <laughs> just based off what you just yeah. said. And if, and if you are listening and yeah. you do not know that term, please go Google it. Um, you will please. learn you will learn a lot a lot yes. about that the background behind that. But you know, just to kind of because I feel like we could go on for hours about this. We and could, I would love we could. To. <laughs> um, you know, generations worth of time about this. Go figure. Um, <laughs> but yes, you know. So I mean, give us like, you know, I I've learned a lot just by listening to you but you know if somebody was to kind of go and they want to start that kind of educational journey right like they're like okay I'm ready I know I need to you know what is kind of maybe one resource that you would say I know there's a lot out there but you know one resource and a white fragility would be a great one but you know like what else could we could you give them um, well, I have the workshop. <laughs> my Look workshop. at that segue. I Yay! love it. <laughs> uh, my workshop, I'm going to be doing it again twice this year. I just did it um, on July 7th. And my next one is going to be on September 1st because I want to take the summer to work on my business. So September 1st is going to be the next one. And it is called Educate to Elevate Racial Sensitivity okay. Workshop. 
And I go through a lot of this information. I go through the definitions. I go through the effects of, to the economy. I also go through how, what it means to be anti-racist and how to be anti-racist. And I also go through teaching of an acronym that I put together, which is, which is L-O-V-E-U-S, love us. And us being us black people, brown people, but also a collective us. So when yeah. you learn that, it's really easy to go, okay, what do I need to do right now? I need to do the L or I need to do the O or I need to stay, you know, with the V. So it's, it's all of that. And then we go through microaggressions, you know, those things that, that, that people do and say on a daily, not realizing that they're causing stress to right. someone else simply by um, not intending to. And that's a right. problem with intention. It's like, it's okay that you didn't intend to, but if someone yeah. tells you that you did, then fix that's it. more important than yeah. your intention. And so fix it and, 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 and learn from it and move forward. We're not saying get beat up for it. We're saying learn from it. Everything right. is a learning process. Learn, move forward. Right. And that's and life. That's the only that's way it's going to go. That is life. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, that is just a, an amazing lesson for any area of life is number one, be open to it. And number two, yep. learn from it so that you are yep. constantly evolving and constantly improving as a human being on this planet. And you know, I mean, that automatically goes to your business because yep. as entrepreneurs, it's an extension of you. Therefore, yes. you know, abundance mentality business increases all of the good things that come with that yes yeah and then the other thing that i would say is to read a book from um dr ibram kendi any okay. book from him he is an anti-racist advocate so any book from him ibram i-b-r-a-m okay kendi x kendi K-E-N-D-I. He, um, he speaks about anti-racism. He speaks about the origins of racism. He, he speaks about the system. He speaks about, and he speaks about it for everybody. Which, which is nice, it, right? Which like, is that's really, great. really good. And so I would highly encourage any book that he's written to be read also. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you. So tell people where they yeah. can find you. So if they do want to get to your course or anything like that, tell them, yeah. tell them where to get to absolutely they can find me at sedrolamariska.com and that's s-e-d-r-u-o-l-a-m-a-r-u-s-k-a.com and then all the social medias sedrola at instagram sedrola at twitter sedrola maruska at facebook sedrola maruska at linkedin and sedrola maruska at youtube wonderful and i'll also i'll also make sure that there are links to you in the show notes as well. Um, and if I can find some of these resources, I will drop them in too, because that is extremely important to, um, yes. to include in there as well. And I want to mention also for those of you who are part of the surviving entrepreneurship community, which if you're not, I'll drop that link below too, and you should be because it's amazing, um, <laughs> that she is also providing an amazing free gift. It's her personal development 101 course. Can you just tell us like a soundbite sound bite about that amazing thing? Because I thought it was fantastic when I read it. Oh, uh, personal development 101 is basically telling you, first of all, when I say personal development, people are like, well, what is that? Well, that is just exactly what it tells you. It tells you what personal development is in terms of yourself and the basic things where the basic areas that people tend to look at personal development and how to work on, start working on those areas. Awesome. So it's um, videos and a book and a workbook and it's great. Fantastic. So again, if you have not, if you want to get your hands on that, which I don't know why you wouldn't because it's amazing, um, <laughs> jump, jump in the Surviving Entrepreneurship community and it is going to be in there for you. And I just want to say again, thank you. This has been a, an amazing conversation. I just love, I love everything about this topic just because I feel like it needs to be talked about every single day, every moment. And, you know, I'm, I myself personally need to learn too. So I thank you and appreciate We're all everything on that a you've learning journey. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you. Thank exactly. you for having me. Wonderful. Take care. Honey. Thanks. You know that when I come on after the episode, I usually am going to talk about kind of, you know, my number one learning or something I'm really taking away from this, from the episode and the conversation, but there's too many. 
there's too many on this one, guys. Not gonna lie. Um, I just, I was uncomfortable in parts of the conversation, which I view as a good thing because I need to learn as many of us out there do. And if you are somebody who is listening to this episode and you found yourself triggered or you found yourself uncomfortable, you know, you probably should take a moment and this is my homework for you and ask yourself why it's not good. It's not bad, whatever it might be, but why, why were you triggered by some of the conversations or why did it seem foreign to you? Or did you learn something new, whatever that might be, but just take a moment to digest it all. Okay. And then take, take action. Doesn't have to be a huge action, but read the books that she talked about, you know, go educate yourself about somebody else who's not necessarily walking in the same shoes as you are. You know, that is what is going to help keep moving us forward. Education. Okay, guys, and self-awareness, of course. Um, and on the next episode, I am going to dive in with Jen Jones, who is going to speak to us about you know just different strategies to connecting in this internet world that we're all living in, right? All of our businesses or many of our businesses have been moved online with the pandemic. And here's the episode for you as to how you're going to network and connect in Facebook groups and all of the electronic places that you need to be in to grow your business. And as always, if you liked, you know, loved this episode, um, please don't forget to subscribe, download, rate, and review, and, you know, tell a friend because who couldn't use a little more resilience in their life, right? Have a great day. You know, everyone, I usually come on after an episode and talk about, you know, my aha moment, you know, my number one kind of thing or my takeaway from a conversation with a guest that has really hit home. But guys, there's, there's too many. There are too many from this episode. And that's kind of what I was hoping the conversation would accomplish for me because I need to learn. Right. And I think many of us, many of you listening may need to learn as uncomfortable as it may be. I knew there were moments in that conversation where I was a little bit uncomfortable and maybe there are moments where you are when you're listening and that's okay. But I think the key is behind that is to ask yourself, why, why is it triggering discomfort? What is it bringing up in you? Is it contrary to something that you were taught for years and years, you know, in your past or growing up? You know, start asking the questions and understanding why you think the things that you do. And maybe you'll find out that, you know, maybe they're not necessarily on par with how you want to show up in this world. So just, you know, ask yourself why. And on the next episode, I am jumping in with Jen Jones, or as I like to call her the introvert whisperer, because she's amazing when it comes to, you know, helping introverts and ambiverts do business. But the topic specifically we're going to be chatting about is how to really capitalize on, you know, online networking and being in Facebook groups and making connections online, because that is extremely relevant to today's you know, situation that we're all in, right guys? And as always, if you liked what you heard today or in previous episodes, please don't forget to subscribe, download, rate, and review, and you know, tell a friend because who couldn't use a little bit more resilience in their life, right guys? See you later.